Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you're having an amazing day. And today we're going to talk all about what to motivate your children with when they're doing exposures or challenges. So I talk a lot about setting up challenges or exposures for kids with anxiety or OCD. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back and look at episode 53, where I talk all about what ERP is and why it's helpful for anxiety or OCD. Um, And also, if you want more in detail, step-by-step approaches on how to set up anxiety challenges or how to do OCD exposures, my online classes cover that in detail. And so you can check those out as well. My online class at teachable.com is anxioustollers.teachable.com. No www for some reason. That's just the website. So today is all about just more about the motivators. I had a lot of people reach out to me and request that I do a podcast purely on motivator ideas. And so that's not a topic I would have thought to talk about because it's highly specific, (laughs) but because it was requested by multiple people, I thought, why not? We'll just do a whole podcast on motivators. So I have done podcasts on motivation, how to motivate your kids. Episode 92 is a good one for that as far as how to motivate them. But today is purely just about what motivators to use and how to use them. So we're going to get into the nitty gritty on that. Just a few housekeeping issues before we get started. One, if you're not subscribing to my podcast, you might want to do that because I am very good about coming out every Tuesday with a new episode. And so if you subscribe, it'll just come into your feed and you won't miss one. So do that. Uh, Secondly, speaking of which, me being very dependable, (laughs) I have had this podcast for three years now. And do you believe that we've had over um, half a million downloads in three years? Super impressive that so many of you are soaking up this information. So um, I was going to do a little like shout out for that. And I forgot. And that had happened a while ago. And um, it's, it's worth saying a big thank you for all the people who listen to the show that so many people are, are soaking it up and downloading it. And I will definitely announce when we get to a million downloads, because that will be a big little dance party over here for me on that. But in the last three years, I have never missed an episode every single Tuesday, super dependable. Boom. There they go. Um, that's just because like being reliable is like a really big deal for me. But next week, I will not be doing a podcast. So nothing has happened to me. <laughs> I have just decided that once once a summer for a week, I will completely unplug with my kids. And so it will be an unplugged week. And I will not have a podcast episode. I will not have a YouTube episode. I'm going to take that week off. And so don't think I've gone anywhere. I will be back the following Tuesday like I am every single week. So I just wanted to give you a heads up for those loyal listeners who listen to me every single Tuesday and I'm part of your routine. Don't worry about it. I'm just missing that one and I'll be right back. Uh, If you are not following me on Instagram, I would love for you to follow me. I tend to focus on one thing at a time. And so Instagram is my new focus. 
and I am trying to get more active on Instagram. And so I do IGTV videos every Wednesday and I'm very dependable about that except next week, <laughs> but you can catch my old ones that I've been, cause I've been doing it for a few weeks now. And so I think there's probably about six or seven IGTV videos up there. So if you really wanted to soak me up or soak my information up, that's probably sounds a little bit better. You could really access me almost on a daily basis because Tuesdays are my podcast episodes. Wednesdays are my IGTV quick parenting tips and Thursdays are normally my kid videos on YouTube. So definitely check all of that out and subscribe in those areas and follow me on Instagram so that you can get all of these free resources that I'm throwing out there. Okay. Enough of all that. Let's talk about motivators. So I am a huge, huge fan of motivators. I think that kids will not make as much progress if they do not have some sort of carrot. Now, a lot of times parents have an issue with this for, for various reasons. Um, some feel like they want their kids to work on their anxiety or OCD because they're intrinsically motivated because they just want to get better. And yeah, I mean, that's a wonderful Mary Poppins view of life, <laughs> but it's just not realistic. If I told you, you just have to get into a cage um, where there's going to be some sharks, but don't worry about it because you're in a cage and the sharks can't get you. Now, unless you're a deep sea diver and you like to do that for fun, that probably would make your, your palms sweat and you probably would not want to do that. I know I wouldn't. That'd be a nightmare to me. But if there was a motivator, it would maybe make you think about it. I mean, if someone was like, look, I'll give you $500,000 if you can do that and we can guarantee your safety. You might be like, well, okay. Maybe you're like, nope, still wouldn't do it. My point is, in my extreme example, that we all require some motivation to do hard things. I remember in college when I would study, I would cut up a Hershey's candy bar into four pieces and I would study an hour and then I would allow myself to eat one square. And then I'd study an hour and I'd allow myself to eat one square. And I was doing that as just a way to reward myself and motivate myself to continue. Silly, but it was really effective for me. So you want to look at motivators as an added bonus to really get some traction and get your kids motivated to do exposures or challenges. And if you're not buying in to the motivator aspect of it, your children won't either because they're going to sense that you're begrudgingly doing it and it won't be fun for anybody. So that's why I'm starting with your mindset and your philosophical stance on giving kids rewards for doing exposures or challenges. Now, if you don't know what exposures or challenges are, stop this and go back and listen to the other episode, the one that I just talked about, because you're going to want to have that background before we get into the nitty gritty of like what motivators to use. So typically I brainstorm with kids on motivators and I, in my practice, I will ask them to think of things that they would want to earn. And with my kids, it's easier for me as a mom than a therapist, because I know what things will motivate my kids. And so it doesn't have to be physical things. Although when you're first starting out and you're trying to get your child, maybe to touch uh, a germy sink or not wash their hands or, you know, talk to strangers or do something that is really anxiety producing, depending on their theme has to be related to their theme, obviously. 
you're going to want something pretty big and tangible for them to jump off that cliff and, and get used to their parachute coming out. And so we're basically asking them to jump off a cliff and say, look, you're not going to crush. You're not going to fall. You're not going to splat. You got a parachute. You're going to be okay. It's going to feel really scary, but you're going to be okay. For some kids, they're just not wanting to even start exposures or challenges. And so one, you want to start really, really small. Um, there's, there's very few kids I've ever worked with where I can't find a starting place because it doesn't matter if you think, you know, this is really such a small baby step that it's not even worth doing. Well, you might think that, but it's just to get your child going. And so you can always find something like if your child was afraid to go to the bathroom by themselves, even you standing in the door frame instead of inside the bathroom, that's a challenge. That's a baby step. And even if your child is like a three on a one to 10 stress scale, 10 being the worst, it's, it's not about what you're actually doing in that moment. It's about getting the challenges going, getting that process started. Yay. You did something that was kind of hard. Boom. Here's your, here's your reward. Let's do another one. This time I'm going to be out of your eyesight. Yay. You did really good. Here's your reward. Let's do another one. Now you wouldn't do these like back to back, but over time, when you're dealing with your challenge ladder or your hierarchy ladder, that's what it's going to look like. And I find that when I get kids to enter at a pretty low level, depending on their willingness and their motivation, I can build them up pretty quickly because they're starting to build up trust. They're starting to get excited about it because you gamify it. It's a game and it's fun. So you can do this in various ways. Um, in my office, when I'm first starting with kids and in your home as well, uh, it depends on your child's willingness and motivation. So you don't always have to start with this, but I start with a concrete prize. I have a prize box in my office and it's filled with things that most kids like. And so it changes over the years, depending on what the fad is. <laughs> so there, there were a lot of fidget spinners in there and now that's not as cool. Now there's a lot of squishies in there and plushies. And there are a lot of, um, uh, putty and slime. I'm sure parents love me. There's slime kits in there and there's like water bead balls and things that are, are pretty co- popular right now. I even have like some phone, cell phone cases and different things that maybe even older kids would like. So I got sequence mermaid pillows in there, just some small ones. So you could create a treasure box at home and just get some things that you know your child will like. And then when they do an exposure or the challenge, you know, they're the same thing, but I use the word challenge more for anxiety. Um, and I use exposure more for OCD. It doesn't matter. It's just semantics, but I will say, you know, do this exposure and then you can pick from your treasure box. And so even with my kids, that's how I started. I, um, I went to the dollar store and I filled up stuff that they picked out. And so sometimes it's really helpful to take your child with you so that you're not guessing and they pick their own prizes out and you put it in the prize box. And then every time they do an exposure, your child gets something. Now, even for older kids, you can put things in there like 99 cent apps, where you can make little coupons, um, or, uh, you know, sleep over with your friends. If that's something that you normally don't allow, it could be a privilege. You could be creative. Um, you don't want to put things in there that normally they would get anyway, And so that it's almost a punitive thing. Like you have to earn, you know, hanging out with your friend. Well, no, if they can normally hang out with their friend, then I wouldn't add that into their treasure box. But let's say, you know, they have a friend that's really far away and it's a hassle to get in the car and you normally say no. Well, then you can put that in there. 
or um, maybe you love to spend time with your kids, but you don't normally bake with them. And that would be an extra privilege. You can put that in there. So it doesn't have to be concrete toys and trinkets. It can be experiences and privileges that they normally wouldn't get. So think out of the box. I do have a lot of parents who start to feel like, ugh, I have so many trinkets and little toys and stuff, and it's just cluttering up my house. Then, then do privileges and do experiences, and that's fine too. We don't want our kids to have to earn one-on-one time per se, but if it's something that you wouldn't do normally, then it's a bonus. So like for my kids, it might be you and I will go out and get frozen yogurt alone without your brother or sister. That'd be a privilege that I wouldn't normally do. And so that would be added to the treasure box. So you can think in those terms as well. And you do want to start with an immediate reward. And so I do an exposure and boom, I go to the treasure box. We want to start that way. So we're really getting that A plus B equals C connection. You know, my, when you tell me to do an exposure or challenge, I feel panic. And so you say exposure, I feel panic. And that's the A plus B, you know, exposure, panic, exposure, panic. I want to disrupt that. And I want to say exposure and you get excited. And so I'm trying to like Pavlovian, I'm trying to get this association with exposures being a good thing. You know, I have a good vibe and a good feeling when you say exposure, because I'm thinking, what am I going to get or what reward am I going to earn? And so I'm associating exposures with a good feeling, not a scary feeling. That's ultimately what we're trying to do. And so if you make it too convoluted where they have to earn something for 30 days before they get their reward, that's going to be so watered down. That's not going to be effective. Now down the road, you will want to do that because as you're progressing, you're pulling back. And this is the nuances of rewards that I think a lot of parents don't get. And so initially rewards work really well but they have to be tweaked all the time. And we want to start to make challenges harder. So we don't want to just constantly give them rewards for things that are easy because that defeats the purpose on many levels. Uh, Clinically, it's ineffective because if my child's doing something that's at a three on a one to 10 stress scale, then it's really not an exposure anyway. It really should be five or higher. I try not to get into the tens. Nine or 10 is too high for me. Um, My comfort zone with exposures is typically like five to eight. That's a really good, that's a good range in in my book. Now, if I have a child who's really resistant and unmotivated, and it's just been hard to get them to even do a challenge, then I will do anything as long as it's like a two or a three or higher. And so even if it's a two, just to get them going with an unmotivated child, I would do that, but I wouldn't stick to that low level. And I go into that in my online classes um, so that you can know you know, where that sweet spot is. But as your child starts to progress, you could, you can carry it longer by doing tickets. And so before I go into that, I just have one other point. Um, my kids for a really long time, they love Roblox and I'm not, I would not normally buy them Robux. (laughs) So if you know, Roblox, there's like their own currency and, you know, for 99 cents, I don't know how many, I think they get 80 Robux bucks and on the iPad. And so for a while they would do an exposure and they would instantly get 99 cents for their Robux. And that was the only way they were able to ever get Robux. And so they were highly motivated because they wanted more Robux. But then over time that lost its, that lost its sparkle. And that will happen almost always with kids that 
the prize or the reward or the carrot that you're dangling will lose its power over time. So the treasure box lost its power pretty quickly at my house. Even though they picked it out, I still have treasure boxes up on the top of my refrigerator because I recommend that you keep it within eyesight, but out of reach. And so I put them on top of my refrigerator. So there's a visual reminder always that there are prizes to be earned. They don't care anymore. Um, the stuff that they picked out, like that was like probably eight, nine months ago, there's stuff still in there. And sometimes I bring it down and I say, look what's in here. Are you guys interested? And they're not. And that's because, um, you know, they just got bored of whatever's in there. It was from the dollar store. They're not interested. Robux, not so much interested anymore. And so it will, it will change over time. And you have to change with your child because, uh, otherwise it will not be effective. So I, in my practice, I quickly move from doing treasure box where they do an exposure in my office and they earn a prize immediately to doing, um, prizes on Amazon. And so I, I get a lot of Amazon credit from my website. And so, you know, I'm an affiliate for Amazon. And so on my website, I get a lot of traffic, you know, so it's a very busy, popular website, fortunately. And so I get paid from Amazon and instead of getting cash from Amazon, I just ask them to give me credit. And then I use that credit in my practice to buy kids gifts from Amazon and to motivate them to do exposures. It's been a really effective process because it makes therapy really fun. So I say, go on Amazon and go shopping and send me your link and let me know what you want to earn. And so I normally say it has to be $20 or less because you don't want it to be too far out where they are losing the sight of the prize because it just seems like it's too hard. I do have kids that wind up getting much more expensive stuff, but I explain to them and they have to be farther along in their treatment so that they can continue to be motivated. But I try to shy away from that. And you should too, because I have found that even the most motivated kids who are getting something that's very cool, like, you know, an Xbox game or something that's like 50 or $60, they still lose a little bit of steam when they're in the middle of it. And so doing it a little bit shorter is better. So I buy a roll of tickets. I get them on Amazon. (laughs) Amazon's definitely my friend. You can get them at Walmart for like six bucks. Carnival tickets, you can get them in the office section or you can order, um, you can order like a huge amount of rolls on Amazon pretty inexpensively. I get different colors to make it fun. And then every exposure, they get a ticket. And so then they, I have these cute little bags that I got on Amazon (laughs) and they put them in the bags and they can count them and they can see how many points they have towards their prize. That's a very effective approach in my practice. And it's also something I recommend parents doing. And so my kids do this. And what I do is I keep their ticket bags on the counter where they sit to eat their meals. I leave it next to their chair so they can visually see it. So there's again, a visual reminder to get them motivated and kids can earn stuff for different things. So we have a switch and they don't have a lot of games for the switch. And so right now we're having my kids work together because there's a lot of sibling rivalry with my kids. And so we want, I'm trying to foster them to cheerlead and, and work together. And so they can work together to earn tickets for a switch game. And that's what they're working on right now. However, I will say that they were highly motivated and that has recently lost its appeal. I don't think they, 
are really into the switch right now. And so they're not asking to do tickets, but the ironic thing is, and here's, here's where it eventually leads to, they will still do exposures and they will forget about the tickets. And partly that's because we are pretty far into the process. We've been doing this for a long time. And there is an intrinsic motivation now. They feel better. They feel good. And so um, we've been doing exposures for weeks now, and they have not asked me for tickets. And I forgot to give them, which you shouldn't do, by the way. That's not good. But my point is, they just feel so good afterwards that they're facing their fears and they're getting better that they're, they are becoming internally motivated. They don't realize it. So for those parents that worry, whether this external motivation will go away. I haven't seen that happen in my practice. And I did interview Ross Green, which was episode 75. And I talked to him about raising kids with anxiety and OCD. And I, and I also asked him about these reinforcements, like what his thoughts were, because I know in the CPS model, he's um, very vocal about not using rewards and punishments with kids. And so I wanted to get his opinion on this. And you can check out our conversation and his responses on that. And his point was as long as, you know, when you remove the reward, your, your child is progressing, you know, and so they're still, they're, they're starting to get internally motivated. That's really where we ultimately want to go. And that's where I find kids going in my practice and at home over time is that they start to see the progress and it will take some time for your kids to see that. So you don't want to remove the rewards too soon but the rewards become kind of just more of like a celebration and not the actual motivator. And especially when you pull it out. And so kids have to do harder things in my office as they progress. And so it doesn't remain stagnant. They're doing harder things and the exposures are getting harder. The challenges are getting harder. And then the rewards also sometimes become more elongated. And so I wouldn't do more than 20 tickets or 20 points or 20 days that I wouldn't go any farther than that, but I've seen kids really feel good about themselves and it becomes a bonus and not the main dish for why they're doing things. But that does take a while. So if you want to stick, stick with it for a while, the, the cool thing is no matter what, if a child's doing exposures every single day, and I have some kids who are we're pretty oppositional and they'll make sure to let me know that they're just doing the exposures because they want the prize. And that's just trying to get back control and to, to get, take back some power that I'm only doing what you want me to do because I want your, I want your prizes, you know, and my response to that is I don't care why you're doing it as long as you're doing it. Because what I have found is that there's still, there's still some neural wiring going on. There's still some some change in the brain that's happening when I have a kid who's doing exposures every single day for the carrot, you know, whatever reinforcer they're trying to earn, they're still doing it every single day. And that neuroplasticity is still occurring because they are, you know, they're not doing their compulsions. They're poking at their OCD. They're facing their fears. They're becoming desensitized. You can't avoid that when you do exposures every single day. And so it doesn't matter why you're doing them because the end result becomes very successful when you're consistently doing it every single day. Now, some of you hit a barrier because your children, one, may have a hard time accepting a gift or a prize, especially the kids with moral OCD I find in my office feel bad 
and they don't want to earn anything. They feel like they don't deserve it. Um, or that you're spending your money and it's not, it's not fair to you, or they have a hard time deciding what they want, because what if they make the wrong decision? That's not necessarily moral OCD. That's just OCD in general. You know, it's the kind of the FOMO effect of, well, I don't know what to get. What if I get this? And what if I'm uh, upset that I earned that? And what if I get this? And so making decisions can be a really hard issue with anxiety or OCD. And so you might hit a snag with the reward aspect of motivating kids because they are either feeling guilty about accepting something or they can't decide what to get. And so it becomes a stressor in and of itself. So some ways around that is one, you just say, this is, you're going to just get this. So with the guilt aspect of it, I just say, you have to pick something. I have one girl and I always say to her, pick something or I'm going to order you poop. And I said, and I can find poop online (laughs) and that's what you're going to get. There's like, there's fake poop on Amazon. And I'm just going to send that to you. That's, that's going to be your gift if you don't choose. So I, sometimes I'm, I'm kind of silly and fun with it, but you can just pick something out and you just say, this is what you're going to earn. And so you don't have them make the decision. You just pick it for them. And that sometimes can help with moral OCD or the, the child who has a hard time deciding. You don't, you don't put it. Um, in front of them to decide, you just choose for them and you just say, this is what you're earning and I'm going to buy it for you, whether you accept it or not, it's for you. Now, other kids might be so resistant to it that it's just not helpful. And um, we're going to go into what to do with those kids, but I just want to make one other point. Sometimes parents will say, I just don't think there's anything that she wants or anything that would motivate him. And if it's not because of moral OCD where they feel guilty or because they have anxiety around making decisions, there is always something that can motivate a child. There is a currency, to sound like Dr. Phil, for every child. You just have to be creative and tap into it. And so if your child is not a toy child or an items child, then what about a privilege or an experience? Um, You just want to think out of the box because there is always something. And maybe just spend a week really paying attention to what your child really enjoys and does. And then, then you decide what you're going to earn. There are like subscription boxes to science experiments and cooking recipes. That would be a great reinforcer. There are, you know, like horse lessons or art lessons or something that you maybe wouldn't normally spend the money on that would be motivating or maybe spending time with you and going out for, you know, ice cream or frozen yogurt would be cool. You want to just think out of the box and you're going to have to think out of the box often because your child will, um, get bored of whatever you eventually put into place. So be aware of that because it's not that the process is not working. It's just that kids will get bored just like we would, you know, if you ate pizza every single day, eventually you get sick of pizza. And so you have to change it up a lot in order to keep the exposures and challenges fresh and exciting. Now for the kids, that really are just digging their heels in and they are not wanting a prize. And it's actually becoming more of a, an issue than it's worth. Or this is just an extra way to motivate kids in general. I will gamify it in a way that now you can do this with rewards or you can do it without rewards. But sometimes I will say to kids, let's see how long you can go without doing a compulsion. And, and so they will count the hours, you know, you don't want them to obsessively, you know, create kind of a compulsive behavior around this, but so, and you have to be careful with, you know, with the child and 
what type of OCD they have, because OCD can hijack any approach that's very cool and effective and make it an OCD thing. And so you just have to be aware of it and just watch for it because it can happen. And that's not a big deal. Then you just, you know, you pivot and you change your approach because OCD loves to play chess and it will make its own move every time you make a move. So what I will do with kids is, you know, I will gamify it and I will get a scoreboard. I have scoreboard worksheets, um, in my OCD online class. So those of you that have taken that class, you know, the scoreboard worksheets and you just have your kids say, let me see how long I can go without doing my compulsion. And then maybe I went three hours. Maybe I went 10 minutes, maybe I went 30 seconds, but then the next day I went a minute and then the next day I went five minutes and the next day I went one hour, two hours. Now, if the, if you have a reward attached to it, you know, then maybe they get um, a certain amount of tickets for how long they go, you know, three hours equals three tickets or however you're going to want to monetize it. But that can be really, really good for the competitive person. And so if you have a competitive child, then, um, they might want to beat their best record. And, and so you kind of pit OCD against them, uh, and who's going to win OCD or you, wow, you went three hours, you know, yesterday you went two hours and 50 minutes. And so you're doing awesome. And so instead of it being an all or nothing, you either did a compulsion and you lost, or you didn't do a compulsion and you won you can celebrate their progress and their movement by how long they went without doing a compulsion or how long were they able to delay before they did a compulsion. And so keeping a scoreboard in that way can be very helpful. And so that is another approach that I use, especially with um, things that might be a little bit hard to poke at and do exposures around. But I do recommend that you do an exposure or a challenge once a day when you're in the thick of things and you're really trying to, to work on anxiety or OCD and to get a child to do something every single day, is going to be tricky. And so gamifying it and getting rewards and getting tickets and earning stuff can be a huge game changer in making it fun. I've worked with tons of kids who have seen tons of therapists and they say, I love you the best. And I know it's not about me. <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't think so but I try to make therapy fun and you can make exposures and challenges fun at home too. And so it's not all, you know, doom and gloom and how horrible anxiety and OCD is. It's like, let's just make it fun. Let's just make, make it a game. So some things to think about. I hope that gave you some ideas on how to take this to the next level at your house. And before you go, if you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to leave a star on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast. That feedback really helps the show. It helps get it out there to more people because the more people who like it, the more people will see it and it's getting out there. So I really appreciate all the people who have reviewed the podcast. And if you have a few extra minutes to leave a review, that's amazing because people love reading reviews. They love reading how this podcast can help them because it's kind of an investment of time when you're listening to something for, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes of your day. So to show my gratitude for people who leave a review, I always like to end my show reading some. So LMNOP said concrete ideas to help. I like that Natasha uses personal examples to demonstrate how she has used what she recommends. She also talks about how to build skills throughout a child's life. So it doesn't feel as if you've missed the boat in helping your child. Very informative relevant, and can easily be put into action. Thank you so much for taking the time to write a review. I really appreciate that. 
And if you have something nice to say, you can leave a review as well. And maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again, not next Tuesday, but the Tuesday after. Take care. Hi, I'm a mom of a daughter with OCD. I live in South Africa. Um, and it's a country that doesn't have a lot of resources for children's mental health and specifically OCD. I really was at my wit's end on how I'm going to support my child, how I'm going to do ERP, how I'm just basically going to, to parent a daughter with OCD in a country that has little to no resources. And at times it got just debilitating for us as a family and I was super lonely, um, people weren't listening, I didn't have any support. The AT community has been an absolute lifesaver. Natasha has been instrumental in the past few months in helping us set up ERP challenges, going through them step by step, being supportive each and every step of the way. Joining the AT parenting community has been one of the best things I could have done for me and my family. Uh, Natasha has built this community and it is exceptional. I've learned so much, the support is fantastic. It's, it's just been life-changing for my daughter. Um, it's so nice to be able to ask her live questions in office hours. She's there, she responds. Uh, her live videos every week where she asks us what we need her to talk about. Uh, also her forums, again, where you can ask questions. She's on there all the time. She is very present. The resources she's had provided, the worksheets. Uh, there are so many things in this AT parenting community that are beneficial. Natasha gives you so much of her time and her expertise. She's there to answer your questions, so it's such a personal way of getting help and support when it's much needed. Personally, the community has helped me because I feel like I needed my support. And then you have the added bonus of this fantastic community of parents who are going through such similar things and suddenly you're empowered and have ways of accessing help and making a real difference to your family. And also just the support of all the other moms and dads. It's really good, you know? We laugh together, we cry together, we fail together, we succeed together, um, and, and everybody gets it. Everybody gets it, and it's such a nice community to be with, and I hope you join us. You won't be disappointed. Try it out. To learn more about how you can become a member of the AT Parenting Community, go to atparentingcommunity.com.